the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. I begin this morning by recognizing the death toll in the Israeli Defense Forces fighting in Gaza has risen to 91 overnight. Earlier, I tweeted out that there were 89 dead, including the most recent names released, Sergeant Major Jonathan David Deitch, 34, and Master Sergeant Gal Meyer Eisencott, 25. The funeral of Sergeant Master Sergeant Eisencott is underway. He is the son of a former chief of staff of the Israeli Defense Forces and current member of the War Cabinet, uh, Gadi Eisenkot. And Minister Eisenkot is, in fact, at the uh, at this moment, surrounded by friends and family and thousands of Israelis, including the president of Israel, Herzog, the prime minister, Netanyahu, his colleagues in the War Cabinet, and tens of thousands of Israelis would be there if they could. Uh, because it's symbolic of the fact that all of Israel is at war and that everybody serves in the Israeli Defense Forces. And the, I believe it was 380 members of the Israeli Defense Forces reservist and active duty were killed on 10-7 and another 91 since. So we're getting close to 500 members of the IDF dead. Remember, Israel is a nation of 9 million. Ours is a nation of 330 million. So when you get a KIA list and the IDF has suffered uh, 500 casualties, that is as though the United States had suffered 15,000 dead, which is more than we suffered, of course, by a factor of two plus in both Iraq and Afghanistan. So this is a traumatic experience, but the IDF is, is making very good progress overnight. 425 targets were struck. You will now see pictures of scores and scores and scores of terrorists in their underwear because the IDF has to strip down captured terrorists to make sure they're not carrying suicide vests or otherwise armed. And they're all being taken off to Israel. And by the way, the Israelis always treat their prisoners well. They are uh, absolutely complying with the laws of armed combat. I've seen online a couple of objections that this is is dehumanizing and humiliating. No, it's just what you do in war with terrorists. They're terrorists. And the IDF is going to win. And prayers for the Eisenkot family and for all of those in Israel, the, the 1,200 victims of... 10-7, the 180-plus, 170-plus captives who remain, the thousands of wounded from that day, and, of course, everyone fighting on the front lines. And uh, there is a story, which I put out on my X account in the Times of Israel this morning, on Hamas breaking the truce within 15 minutes. 
The truce went into effect. The truce of two weeks ago went into effect, and within 15 minutes, scores of terrorists attacked IDF forces, assuming that they had laid down their weapons and would be caught unawares. They weren't. Many of those terrorists are dead. Some were captured. Some retreated. They leave behind their uniforms and their weapons when they do that because they try and melt back into the crowd. It is not going to work. They're not. In fact, clarity has arrived everywhere. I'm going to come to the meltdown in elite universities in a moment, but but that's part of the clarity that emerged. People have woken up in the West and said, not in a way since 9-11, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? These people are fanatics and they're crazy. Now, we got clarity about China and we got clarity about Russia, but now we have clarity about Hamas and Iran. And the best thing that was said, and I am in Switzerland on GOP, right? I'm not favoring the dread pirate Donald or Nikki or Ron. I'm just sitting up there watching. But the best thing that was said on the debate Wednesday night was when Nikki Haley said, Russia, China, and Iran are in a war against the West. That's clarity. Understand that, and you can move forward with some precision. I have noted as well the Financial Times, the Wall Street Journal, Hunter Biden is indicted on everything. The guy did not declare $1.4 million in income tax. He didn't declare his income. He was indicted in California on nine new counts. Now, I wrote in July on the eve of that stinky plea deal that that was a stinky plea deal. And the plea deal got eviscerated. But David Weiss should not be on this case. If you go from, oh, here's a uh, misdemeanor and probation and nothing on your permanent record to nine felony tax invasion charges in California in a matter of four months, then your prosecutor stinks. And it always stinks when the DOJ hand selects for special prosecutor the Delaware United States attorney. And don't tell me that the dread pirate Donald appointed him. You don't get appointed U.S. attorney in a state with two blue senators, two Democratic senators, unless they've okayed you. Ditto the Delaware judge, federal judge. So just don't tell me that. If you don't know anything about justice, don't tell me about justice. You don't know anything. Hunter Biden has many crimes for which he will pay the appropriate price. And his father saying, I I don't know anything about this. Liar, liar, pants on fire. There is yet another story in the effort to get infirm Joe Biden to step aside. New York Times, Reed Epstein, should Biden really run again? He pro... He prolongs an awkward conversation. It's like constantly the legacy media goes between Biden should step aside to the dread pirate. Robert is going to be a tyrant and a despot and their armies in the field. And we're all going to be under Caesarism and Napoleon. It's all absurd, absurd. I don't know who's going to be the Republican nominee, but whoever it is is going to beat Joe Biden if he's their nominee, because the guy can't run the country. And you know it. And I know it. Now, I I turn to the Ivy Leagues. Now, I know some of you really get bored by this, but it's important. If we can't reform the major educational institutions in the United States, not named Hillsdale, and the Hillsdale Dialogue is coming up today, we're not going to fix the, quote, governing class. There is no governing class in America, but one has developed. I said last night I went to a Christmas party, my one Christmas party of the year. Ambassador O'Brien has a Christmas party, and I went to it. I saw my friend Rundy. said, Rundy, what are we going to do? Everybody hates us. He said, what? Dan wrote a great book called The American Imperative. And Dan is a great man, really a good man. He reminded me that today is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. I said, oh, Dan, you know, if you miss a feast day, a holy day of obligation, and you don't know that it's a holy day of obligation, it's not a mortal sin. But now I know, and he laughed. But I said, everybody hates us. He said, what do you mean? I said, everybody hates everybody at this party. Everybody hates the Beltway. 
everybody hates the idea that there is a beltway, that there is a ruling class, because the American people are a free people and then the republic is self-governing. And Dan said there are 100,000 elected representatives in the United States. And I thought that's really a, a good thing to think of. A hundred thousand people stand for election from you know, school board to president, and they're not going to lay down their freedoms. And they actually do represent the government. The government is there and it can be revived. But we got to start with these elite institutions. Now, Penn looks like it's going to fire its presidents today. That's good. Uh, the Stone Ridge holding is canceling a hundred million dollar gift because of President Liz McGill being a complete moron in front of the United States House under questioning by Elise Stefanik. And other major donors across the spectrum are saying to MIT, to Harvard, to Penn. And I hope they're saying it to Columbia and NYU and the University of California, San Diego and Northwestern and everywhere else that they've had major explosions of anti-Semitism. We are sick of this. I hope they start firing deans left and right and they start buying out and giving on. Look, here's your letter. You are gone. I know you're tenured. Sue us. Here's a nice package. Take the package. We're dipping into our endowment. We're clearing house. You know what I would do if I were Harvard? Harvard, by the way, the president of Harvard, quote, I am sorry, President Gay addresses backlash over congressional testimony on anti-Semitism. Nobody reads the Crimson except me. But then I read that Rabbi Wolfie, bravo rabbi, he stepped down off of that silly advisory committee that the silly president put into place to act as a first trench in the defense of her position and privilege. Harvard is rotten. I told you last summer. Right. I went to my 45th reunion in June and I had to take a quiz on the phone on whether or not I would be, you know, respecting of other people's rights, like intersectionality 101 on the on the phone when I'm trying to get a drink ticket to go to a reunion. It's so nuts. It's the most nuts of any place I have been. And it's not alone. Right. MIT, all those other places, they're all broken. Not the academies. Go Navy, beat Army. Uh, but like that Rhett Rasmussen, I'm going to come back and talk about Rhett in a moment. But it occurred to me last night first, you know, fire gay and hire Hillary Clinton. The, the Harvard Corporation and Board of Overseers could handle Hillary and Hillary's good on Israel and she's hard on anti-Semitism. But then it occurred to me overnight, you know that they really need, they need former Secretary of State Pompeo, who finished number one in his Harvard Law School class to take over the internal investigation of everything that is wrong at Harvard. And he's never going to talk to me again if they take me up on this. But if you're serious, Harvard, you go get former Secretary of State and CIA Director and Congressman Mike Pompeo, number one in his class at West Point, graduate of Harvard Law School, and you put him in charge of a task force that he assembles to do root and branch reform of a broken institution that has bled credibility out that begins with the resignation of President Kay. That's what you do if you're serious. If you're serious. But they're not serious. Not unless the people with the money say no more, but they got $50 billion worth for their. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. For their defense, they're going to dig in. Their privilege is on the line, and they are very privileged in Cambridge. Stay tuned. I do do it. I'm going to indulge, ask you to indulge me in a little bit of Harvard talk here. Uh, I love my alma mater, but it's completely broken, and everybody knows that. This is the story from this morning's Harvard Crimson, www.com. Prominent rabbi David Volpe announced that he had stepped down from Harvard's anti-Semitism advisory group in a Thursday post on X, citing University President Claudine Gay's Tuesday testimony before Congress in an ideology that, quote, places Jews as oppressors at Harvard. Quote, with great respect for the members of the committee, the short explanation is that both events on campus and the painfully inadequate testimony reinforce the idea that I cannot make the sort of difference I had hoped, wrote Volpe, a visiting scholar at the Harvard Divinity School. President Gay, whose response to the October 7th Hamas attack against Israel faced severe backlash from alumni, donors, and national politicians, announced the formation of the advisory group in late October at a speech at Harvard Hillel, the university Jewish center. During her speech, Gay said the group would focus on, quote, eradicating anti-Semitism from our community, close quote, and later said it would work with Harvard administrators to implement anti-Semitism training for affiliates. But Volpe in his statement suggested the group was ill-equipped to combat an anti-Semitic and evil ideology, which he said, quote, grips far too many of the students and faculty at the university, you think? Quote, battling that combination of ideologies is the work of more than a committee or a single university, Volpe wrote. This is the task of educating a generation and also a vast unlearning. In a statement, Gay wrote that she was, quote, grateful for Rabbi Volpe's advice, perspective, and friendship. With thoughtfulness and candor, he has deepened my and our community's understanding of the unacceptable presence of anti-Semitism here at Harvard. The president, Gay, wrote, we have more work to do and his contributions will help shape our path forward. Anti-Semitism has no place in the Harvard community, and I am committed to ensuring no member of our Jewish community faces this hate in any form. Hey, look, this is nuts. And she doesn't get it. And she should go. But unlike the Penn board, the Harvard Corporation and the Board of Overseers apparently is doing nothing to do anything if they are serious. They will ask and receive her resignation today, as is going to happen at Penn and ought to happen at MIT and other places where the response of the university administration has been other than that of Ben Sass at the University of Florida. Immediate and forceful denunciation of the terrorists on 10-7 and protection of the Jewish students on campus from the mob. Anything less than that, they ought to go because they haven't got a moral compass. They did, that, that is the moment of greatest clarity we've had since 9-11, 10-7. And if they flunked, they flunked. No do-overs, no makeup tests. And I do have to object to what the rabbi said. This is too big to solve with one university. Look, you're not going to solve it unless you start one university at a time. I know two universities from my education and one from my employment. Chapman does not have this problem. Harvard does. The University of Michigan does. The University of Michigan so far gone, but it's a state institution. Those people can be fixed by state legislators. The only people that can fix Harvard are the Board of Overseers and the members of the Harvard Corporation. Here's what you do. Accept your resignation. 
appoint an interim president. And by the way, I think Secretary Hillary Clinton would be a very good one that would be acceptable to most people at the university. She can run a big big bureaucracy, but that's not enough. You need an investigation into what has gone wrong at Harvard over the last decade, which is everything. And that needs to be led by someone just as forceful, just as experienced with bureaucracies and just as, uh, how shall I say, direct as Secretary Clinton has been when she was running state. And that would be Secretary Pompeo. So bring in the two secretaries. Give Hillary the keys and let her run the university for three years. Meanwhile, you give Mike Pompeo the keys to do and ask everything and anything that needs to be done and asked and answered effectively. You make him chairman of the special inquiry into the status of intersectionality and other idiot ideologies at Harvard. Name it whatever you want. Now, Mike's never going to talk to me again. The Secretary of State, the former Secretary of State and CIA director, will never talk to me again. But he was number one in his law school class at Harvard for a reason. The guy is smart. He ran the CIA very well. He ran the State Department as well as anyone can run it. And he's a great lawyer. So put him in charge. Let him pick seven, eight Nine other people to help him divide up the schools. There are all sorts of schools. There's a school of education. There's a law school. There's a medical school. There's a business school. There's an undergraduate. Make a list. Check it twice. Hand out buyout offers that are not actually optional to the people that have got to go. I'm not saying throw anyone out on the street. Just buy them out. Just toss them out. Give them the offer. It's what they're doing at the Washington Post today and all week long. Oh, we are. We're we're sorry. You've got to leave. Here's your offer. You take the offer or you don't take the offer. Sue us. We have a $50 billion war chest. So Harvard overseers and Harvard corporation members, call up Pompeo. If you're serious, but you might not be and you probably aren't serious. You're probably all time servers and you're probably all just saying, how the heck do I get away from this? How did we pick President Gay? How could anyone? And I mean, it wasn't just one. All three of them flunked the Stefanik test. At least, Stefanik, you are likely to be the vice presidential nominee of the Republican Party because you took the sword to the dragon of intersectionality and idiocy. Well, it depends on context. You know, 10-7, you got to understand it in its context. Anti-Semitism, menacing Jews on campus. Oh, context. Crystal knock. What's the context? Really, they all got to go because this is not hard. This is not hard stuff. Free speech on campus. And assault gets you thrown out. And it's just not that hard. I'm Duke Hewitt. All right. I also want to tell you about Angel Tree and beg you. Because we got thousands of kids who depend upon your generosity to give them some Christmas. All right. It's your, your gift to Angel Tree, which is a ministry of prison fellowship, is completely tax deductible. Completely. But it will do the job of getting a present off of a list that a child is articulated to someone, either their social service guardian or the parent who isn't in prison. Some of them have parents. Both of their parents are in prison. And maybe they're with grandma or grandpa, whatever. Angel Tree knows prison fellowship works with the inmates. They identify the children. They connect the inmates with the children via that present, which is wrapped and delivered, along with an adventure Bible, along with a connection to Angel Tree, and along with a note for mom or dad that is specific to the present being given so that those children know that their mom or dad is thanking them on Christmas morning. It's a small thing, but it's a door into Angel Tree. That small thing costs $25. 
So maybe you've got $25 that you had planned on spending on yourself. Maybe you'll skip a cocktail. Maybe you won't go and give yourself something that you otherwise going to buy on Pinterest, or I don't even know if you buy things on Pinterest, but don't. Instead, go to the Angel Tree banner at the top of HughHewitt.com and be generous. Uh, I want to uh, thank you for that. I want to tell you again about my my two-secretary solution. Not a two-state solution. That is dead, dead, dead. Not coming back for a long time. Not until the Palestinian governance has completely reformed. And there are people in Palestine, by the way, among the Palestinians who know that both the Palestinian Authority and Hamas are bad. Hamas is evil. The Palestinian Authority is pretty close to evil. It's definitely corrupt, and they're both broken. And they still haven't changed their charters. They're still calling for the destruction of Israel. And people marching around saying, ceasefire, they're marching around on behalf of Hamas. And Hamas is losing. But I have a two-secretary solution. There is no two-state solution on the horizon. But there is a two-secretary solution, and it is for my alma mater, Harvard. I think it would be a model for every one of these troubled universities. You go out and you find one Democrat and one Republican. You make the Democrat the acting president, because you got to do Democrats or the faculty will, will all just march around and the kids will go crazy. And you got to get rid of people like President Gay at Harvard and the president of Penn, the president of MIT. You've just got to give them their marching papers. So you go get Secretary Hillary Clinton and you ask her to be the acting president of Harvard for three years because they know how to run a big institution. You got to go find people who know how to run complicated, big institutions that have a lot of money and a lot of alumni and a lot of interest groups and a lot of demands. I happen to know a few college presidents. Dr. Arn is coming up next hour. I know I've known him for 35 years. Uh, Mark Aaron, president of Hobart and William Smith College. I've known him longer, 45, 48 years. Uh, Daniele Strupa, president of Chapman. I've known him for a decade. I know a lot of college presidents. You can find people to do these jobs. You can, you can be smart. You can do this well. So you go get Hillary Clinton because Harvard's tough. Harvard's big and it's powerful. It's full of people who are self-important and full of themselves. And it's got a $50 billion endowment. So they're prepared for the World War I of campus reform. They're dug in. Hillary knows how to do that. So you, you accept President Gage's resignation. And then you also establish not an advisory committee, but an internal investigation of all that has gone wrong at Harvard in the last 10 years. And you make as its chairman, Secretary Mike Pompeo. It's my two-secretary solution. Now, Mike's never going to talk to me again. Secretary Pompeo, I'm sorry. But you were number one in your class at Harvard Law School. You know your way around that. You ran the CIA. You ran the Department of State. You ran for Congress. You ran a tank brigade in Berlin, or not in Berlin, but in the West German days when we had the Soviets on the other side of the wall waiting for the Fulda Gap to become the center of the world for a time certain. You've got what it takes. So forgive me, but you go up there and assemble. <laughs> There's this picture. Sorry, Secretary Pompeo, you may never speak to me again. Make he, You know, you can't make him the president of Harvard. Though you could, it would be a good thing. But like George Marshall, who gave the Marshall Plan commencement speech at Harvard, and like Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who gave my commencement speech at Harvard, Mike Pompeo and Hillary Clinton know how the world works, and they know there are really bad people in it. And they don't agree on anything domestically. 
And they don't have to. They just have to get, like, good and evil back on the curriculum at Harvard. They just got to get good and evil back on the curriculum at Harvard so that people know it's evil to assault a Jewish student because they're Jewish in Harvard Yard. It's sort of like Harvard 101. Welcome to good and evil. But you got to figure out what the heck went wrong up there. What what happened? And I, I got a glimpse of it this summer when I went to my 45th college reunion. And when I was signing up for it, I got on the phone because, of course, the website didn't work. And I talked to some undergrad who's manning the alumni affairs office. And they made me agree to a number of things like, don't upset anyone. And they didn't quite come out and say, will you pledge allegiance to intersectionality? But it was close. And, and you know, I want, as I said, yeah, 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 sure, I'm coming. But I had no idea. It's like lunatic left is running the alumni office. So you can only imagine who's teaching. So you make Secretary Clinton, the acting president, and you make Secretary Pompeo, the chairman of the investigatory committee into the status of Harvard and await its recommendations from the Corporation of the Board of Overseers. That's my two secretary solution. And if you're a member of the Board of Overseers or you're a member of Harvard Corporation, I hope somebody sends you this. And that you actually do it because the place is falling apart and you know it and I know it and everybody knows it. And Penn's going to fire their president today. And MIT, you ought to fire yours by the end of the weekend. All of you. They they showed their true faces in Congress this week. All right. Elise Stefanik, the the congressman of the year. Thank you, Elise Stefanik. You are the opposite of the gang of eight dummies that turned out to be the uh, Knucklehead Caucus. Thank you, Elise Stefanik. It is Friday. I'm live inside the Beltway, joined by Ben Dominich, editor-at-large of The Spectator, Fox News contributor extraordinaire. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Hugh. Always good to be with you. You know, I uh, I went to my annual Christmas party. I pick one a year inside the Beltway because I really genuinely hate such things. But this year I went to Ambassador O'Brien's and I met this wonderful guy named Doug Dominich. <laughs> and I learned all about the Loudoun County Sheriff Department and young Ben Dominich. I'm not going to go into the details, America, because what is said between a dad and his friend at a bar at a, at a, at a club is just, uh, you know, it's just going to stay between us. But Ben, I know everything now. Well, I appreciate I appreciate your uh, uh, your respect uh, for uh, for for privacy and for uh, for the, uh, the, the the let's say uh, absconding of, of various things when one is a teenager is just you know sort of a rite of passage that one you got if you haven't met the sheriff in Loudoun County and you grew up there I just don't think actually you've had a left life you know what I really like Ben your dad pretty much had my dream job he he got to be an American. Department of Interior guy charged with Palau. And so we sh- yeah. we swapped Palau stories. I actually had a project in Palau when I was a lawyer back in the day. So I my dream job is to be chief of staff at the Department of the Interior so I can fire everybody at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and other associated agencies. But <laughs> I, I think that's I think that is a dream job and, and absolutely agree with you, sir. Because I, I can't get confirmed anything. But but he told me. Uh, he reminded me, you went to William and Mary. Now, my alma mater, Harvard, is in full meltdown. Asked for Elise Stefanik, gutted it, MIT, and Penn. And I think Penn is going to fire their college president today. Uh, is William and Mary okay, or they have the disease as well? They Unfortunately, they do have the disease as well. It may not be quite as virulent as it is in the IVs, uh, but it is still definitely there. Uh, and unfortunately, it's something that has been kind of, uh, there have been, 
I think very little attempt to push back in a way, uh, you know, in, in Virginia, uh, it's become a f- far more lefty place uh, since I was there, and, and it was already trending in the wrong direction. Uh, but look, you know, I think that this mind virus that we've seen, you know, uh, take over all these people. This, this is really a, 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 I think, a moment of clarity for a lot of people who went through uh, their educational experiences at these institutions or had family members who did so or certainly respected them so much from afar that they thought of them as places that they would aspire to send their own children to. Uh, and now I think that we're seeing, you know, when when these uh, folks get in front of Congress and are asked very basic questions, ones that they should be able to answer easily, uh, instead they retreat into this, uh, you know, completely bonkers language uh, that makes no sense to anyone with an actual brain, uh, but is what they've been taught to say by all the people who, you know, are, you know, frankly surrounding them on the campuses every day, uh, who are giving them advice, the lawyers in their ears. Uh, and we saw that run smack dab, I think, into, uh, you know, a number of Americans who culturally, even if they don't have any hope of getting into these institutions, still respect them and view, view them as places that you aspire to go to. Uh, I frankly think it's a good thing, a healthy thing to have this exposed, uh, but it still doesn't make you any happier to see it happen to institutions that you think of as being central to the American higher educational experience. You know, it is a moment of potential restoration like Charles II returning after Cromwell. Yeah. Because they are the roundheads. The people who are running these places are sort of the roundheads of the left. And they are they are just dictators. And now Penn's going to dump their president today. I think President Gay, maybe the ice will crack under her. Rabbi Volpe, who is on their, quote, advisory committee on anti-Semitism, resigned yesterday and said, look, eradicating anti-Semitism from our community is a big deal. But he said the advisory committee was too ill-equipped to combat an anti-Semitic and evil ideology that, quote, grips far too many of the students and faculty at Harvard. Battling that combination of ideologies is the work of more than a committee or a single university. This is the task of educating a generation and also a vast unlearning. All right, I kind of agree with that, but you can't vastly unlearn, and you can't do work unless you do it in institutions one at a time. I want Harvard to fire everybody, and I want them to put Mike Pompeo in charge of the investigatory committee and make Hillary the acting president. So they know how to run bureaucracies, Ben. How else do you get a hold of the monsters? Well, well, look, you know, one of the things that we should do, I think, mentally, you know, just in terms of as, as we observe this happening, is connect this directly with what we saw this week from, uh, you know, White House interns, set, you know, uh, signing on to something, you know, de- decrying uh, the president's stance on on this on these issues, and what we saw before when it came to, uh, you know, the, the reports from the State Department in terms of their lower level uh, people. You know, these are all people who go through these institutions and are automatically allowed uh, into these uh, into the door in all of these different important positions. Uh, and people have never been really asking, even as those institutions have been changing, you know, what that new population can bring in, in the negative. And I think that that's something that is being revealed right now. And those of us close to it have been seeing this happen for quite some time. But it, it, I, I just don't think we ever thought that they would be as blatant in admitting uh, the, their acceptance of this evil ideology uh, and even defending it in the way that they have. It's absolutely abhorrent. And whatever it takes to, to root it out, uh, it has to happen. Otherwise, these institutions uh, are going to completely die. And look, I, you know, I think that it, there have been 
institutions that have died in American history, uh, but we've also been a place that people have come to for a very long time because of the quality of our higher education, because that was something that set us apart from the rest of the world, uh, and losing that is losing something of significance in the American experience. Now, Ben Dominich, not only have the interns lost their mind at the White House, and they all should be fired, by the way. I would just fire them all, because, oh, and, and fire they're them immediately. interns. Immediately. <laughs> immediately. Yeah, just, just say, look, guys, we've made a mistake here. We thought you had a brain. And you're out of here. Because if you don't understand 10-7, you're out of here. But number two, I want to talk to you about media, legacy elite media, and their panic at the approach of the dread pirate Donald. It is Mm. everywhere. Most recently this morning in the New York Times, another piece begging. They do two things. They beg Joe Biden to quit or they warn of the tyrant Donald. What what happened to our media? Mm. You know, it's it's so funny how how this has panned out. I think that there was this assumption over the past year that uh, the all of the different legal woes around uh, Donald Trump would be weighing him down at the end of the year to such a degree that the media could be confident of two things, that the Republican Party would nominate Donald Trump and that he would very obviously lose. But they can read the same numbers that we can, and they can see the same polls that we can that show, particularly among young people, particularly among people who have the, the least amount of money within this supposedly great Bidenomics economy, those are the people who are the most uh, out of, of sorts about what comes next, the most distrustful of the leadership that Joe Biden represents. You know, Charlemagne the God is out there saying that uh, Joe Biden needs to give America a, a Christmas present of, of stepping aside and not running again. And I think that one of the things that is a kind of a test case for the, the Democratic coalition is when the young people are, are out of sorts about this kind of thing, you can only press that button on the abortion issue so often. You can only get so much from that. Uh, and I think that for the left in this moment, they're realizing, oh, no, we, we don't really have a way to win these people back to vote for an 81-year-old uh, and who they simply don't have any confidence in and who's a joke. Uh, and I think that that's something that is you know, really surprising to the media, and that's why they're all choosing this moment uh, to freak out because it's the last possible moment really when Joe Biden could conceivably step aside. And his understudy, Kamala Harris, is also a joke. Now, I sat down before said party at which I heard about said Ben Dominich from said Doug Dominich. <laughs> I sat down with Dan Rundy, and I said to him, and Dan's a good guy. I've known Dan for a long time. He wrote the book, um, The American Imperative. And I said, Dan, it occurs to me, people hate us. He said, what? I said, people hate Washington, D.C. and Manhattan. They hate the idea that parties like this are happening where people they don't know who run their lives are gathering to clink glasses. And there is an earthquake, a political earthquake coming. And I, I, it might be in the form of Donald Trump. It might be in the toppling of the academic towers of the Ivy. But people hate elites, Ben. Am I right? Mm-hmm. I think they absolutely do. And I think they hate them more because they, uh, they feel like they've skated through all of the different economic woes that people have experienced over the past several years and that they look down on them and say, basically, you know, you shouldn't be worried about any of this. Uh, it doesn't really matter that the stakes are smaller and that, the, you know, the things that you can buy your family are costing more, that, you know, more and more of your, uh, you know, income is getting eaten up in such a way that your Christmas is going to be smaller this and year. And your schools uh, were closed and your kids don't know as much as they should. And, and we pretend like we had no responsibility when it came to that. I think that you, you see the height of that in the attitude that Gavin Newsom has 
uh, about all of this stuff where he can say, well, you know, hindsight, we would have done things differently. But, you know, that hindsight was available to you almost immediately. You know, within the space of months, we knew that these things that you were doing were mistakes. And yet there are people now who have to live with the consequences of that and children who are going to have to live with the consequences of it for the rest of their educational careers in ways that are going to hurt them and hurt America. And the Dread Pirate Donald advances. Follow Ben at B. Dominich on X. Watch him on Fox News. Read his stuff at The Spectator. He'll be back next Friday. And your secrets are safe with me, Ben. Don't go anywhere, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. I'll be right back. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in Hollywood. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Philip Balboni is the co-founder and co-editor-in-chief of The Daily Chatter. And Philip, good morning. Merry Christmas to you. Good morning, Hugh, and Merry Christmas to you. Nice to see you. Phil, I was going to talk to you about Egypt because I found the Daily Chatter to be very illuminating. But I actually want to take advantage of the fact that we met at my Harvard reunion. And I want to ask you what you think is going on in our elite institutions, because you're busy trying to educate America about the world at the Daily Chatter. And I remind people it's, it's free for students and their teachers in high school and college. But, Phil, what do you think is going on after watching those hearings this week? I was really disappointed. I was. I mean, I'm talking to you from my home, which is on Brattle Street in Cambridge. I mean, I can walk to Harvard Yard in literally 10 minutes. Uh, so it's my neighborhood school. Um, I I thought Claudine Gay was uh, very disappointing. I mean, it was a I mean, pretty simple question about genocide. And um, she managed to uh, try to contextualize it. Uh, not a good idea. Um, and uh, UPenn and uh, um, the other schools. MIT, um, yep. MIT, yeah. Uh, also uh, right here in our neighborhood. Um, they, it's, it, there are complexities. I mean, you know this. I mean, there's, there's a, a long history from 1948. That's okay. But it was a tremendous atrocity committed. Anti-Semitism is on the rise, and it needs to be combated. And uh, Harvard and MIT and UPenn and Columbia and all these other wonderful elite schools should be leading the way in that, um, and they're not. It looks to me, Phil, as though today Penn is going to have their president resign. I don't know that Claudine Gay can survive. I read the Crimson story today. Rabbi Volpe stepped down off of their advisory committee, and I think the corporation and the board of overseers might actually act. But that would only be a first step. If you were advising the university, I want them to appoint Mike Pompeo as the head of a special investigatory committee and give them wide-ranging powers and install Hillary Clinton as the acting president. But do you think it can be changed? Because it was so deeply to the left when I was there. And you're a, you're a moderate guy. You're a centrist. I don't know how you fix Harvard or any of these other places. It's too deep. I mean, the... Um the institution is a complicated um, place with people of all different viewpoints. Uh, academic freedom is a hallowed tradition. Uh, presidents of universities don't really have that kind of protection, and they need to take a lot of things into consideration. And uh, these are the moments when, if you're leading an institution, you need to stand up and um, and show the way. And... Uh, as I've said, I've been disappointed whether she should resign or be fired. I'm not sure. I mean, it's for others to decide. But uh, 
we can do better. Um, there's a lot of other problems in higher education, for sure. Uh, Let, let's talk about lower education. Uh, what I read about Egypt today, I had no idea until I read the Daily Chatter that Sisi was was up for re-election in air quotes on <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. I mean, how can we not know that mm-hmm. in the West? What's wrong with our media? Well, that's a very good question. That's another long subject uh, because we don't cover the world anymore. That's why what we do is so important. Uh, so Egypt is the biggest country in the Middle East. A hundred and nine million people. Most Americans probably don't realize that. It's an incredibly important country. We provide them with two billion dollars a year in security assistance, um, kind of in the same league as Israel. Mr. El Sisi is up for his third term. He will win. He won by ninety-seven percent the first and second time. Maybe it'll be a little different this time, but there's no doubt about the outcome. The country is in terrible shape. The economy is really bad. Uh, there's no um, political freedom there. His opponents are, you know, have no chance of winning. Uh, and of course, Egypt and Israel have a peace treaty that's longstanding, but the Egypt is right there on the border of the Rafa crossing where all these poor Gazans are desperately trying to find a safe place, but Egypt will not allow them to cross the border. You know, if if we offered them the support for the refugees, I mean, billions and billions of dollars to accept refugees from Gaza, do you think they would, Philip Balboni? No, I don't. I think um, they're too afraid that uh, this would um, destabilize the country. Because remember, El Sisi um, deposed a democratically elected president, Mohamed Morsi, who was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. And this is a a kind of a revolutionary group. It's not like Hamas exactly, but there's a a connection there. So to allow thousands or hundreds of thousands of Gazans into the country would destabilize Egypt, and he would never allow that. I don't care how much money you offer him, that's not going to happen. Uh, Philip Balboni, I think you're right. I want everyone to go to Daily Chatter. Just Google it and go to Daily Chatter. Enroll. It's free if you're a high school student, if you're a teacher of high school students, if you're a college student, and you'll be smarter every day, and at least you'll be able to find Egypt on a map and get the basic facts down. I did not know until I read it this morning that Egypt was having a, quote, election this weekend. Philip does a great service, and if you're teaching high school, you ought to be making your students read this every single morning. It's free. Philip Balboni can be followed on XXT Balboni, Daily Chatter at Daily underscore Chatter. Thank you for listening. I'll be right back, America. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.